105 UTC right after the international news. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the October 26th edition of the sunny side of sports. We're now 25 days away to the kickoff of the FIFA World Cup football tournament in Qatar. Qatar will host Ecuador in the opening match at the 60,000-seat Al-Bayit Stadium, located in Alcor, about 35 kilometers from the capital, Doha. And here's a World Cup fun fact about Alcor. The city is known for its fishing and pearl diving. And on that note, we've been diving into World Cup analysis as we get closer and closer to football's premier event. On Tuesday's show, we heard from Busari Hakim, a Confederation of African Football instructor, as well as Tim Cahill, the former Australian football star. This evening, we'll hear from another former player, Dosu Joseph, the ex-goalkeeper for Nigeria, who won an Olympic gold medal at the 1996 Olympics here in the USA. Joseph's football career was a short one. In 1997, he was forced to hang up his boots at the young age of 23 after a serious car accident in Lagos almost left him paralyzed. Joseph credits his wife with helping him walk again, And in recent years, he's worked as a football analyst and as a football coach. Iron Mike Mbonye asked Osu Joseph, what's your take on the five African teams that will compete in Qatar? My take on the five African teams that will be representing Africa in the World Cup in Qatar, I think uh, we have... uh, we have Senegal, we have Tunisia, we have Morocco, we have Cameroon, and we have Ghana. I think uh, these countries have good players that can represent, that can wear their country's color. And uh, qualifying for the World Cup is just not by chance. I think they fought for it and they got the ticket. Representing Africa will be an huge one. From the World Cup draws, do you think any of the five African teams is in a tough group or group of death? I don't think so. We have Senegal, Qatar, Ecuador, and Netherlands. Uh, in that group, I think uh, Senegal has a chance of qualifying. If uh, they should pick a win against uh, Qatar, they might uh, get a win or draw against Ecuador. Whatever happens against uh, Netherlands, I think uh, they will already uh, qualify with four or five points. So all I can say is I wish them the very best of luck from Group A. In Group uh, D, I think we have um, Tunisia, France, Denmark, uh, Australia, Tunisia in the group of France and Denmark. I think it will be tight. Uh, if they can pick their chances, yes, there might be opportunity, but I see France and Denmark qualifying from Group D. In Group F, we have Morocco, Belgium, Canada, and Croatia. I think uh, there is opportunity for Morocco to qualify. 
think uh, I will pick Belgium and uh, Croatia to go, but if uh, Morocco can pick a win against Canada and get a draw against any of those countries, which is Belgium or uh, Croatia, there must be an opportunity for them to go through because I believe um, they have the players that can put them through. But I believe I see uh, Belgium and Croatia, but for Morocco, as an African, I think I wish them the very best luck. If they go through, yes, fine for Africa. In Group G, we have um, Cameroon, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland. I think that's a tough one for Cameroon because uh, we have um, Brazil, Serbia, uh, Switzerland. Uh, I believe uh, the Cameroonians, they have the strongness, they have the ability, they have the determination to survive in any competition. We've seen them... Uh, uh, qualify for the round of 16, the World Cup. I believe uh, they can still do it. They have the players and they have the the backing of their new chairman, which is uh, their president, which is Eto, who can put them through. I think uh, they should be able to qualify in that, in that group with uh, Brazil, Serbia and Switzerland. Uh, in group H, we have Ghana, Portugal, Uruguay and South Korea. I think... Uh, Ghana had the chance, even though we lost to them the final game to qualify for the World Cup. I think uh, they will go through with Portugal if um, they should do well in the qualifier games. Uh, I think uh, they have the chance. They have the quality to, to qualify. So I would say Ghana should be able to go through. So I will see Ghana and Senegal going through to the next round of the tournament. I hope all of them can, but I think these two countries will surely carry the flag of Africa to the next stage. That's Olympic champion Dosu Joseph, the former goalkeeper of Nigeria's national men's football team. And Joseph spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. Hi, my name is Dosu Joseph, M-O-N, an Olympic gold medalist, ex-Super Eagles goalkeeper. You are listening to One Side of Sport on The Voice of America. Thanks, and don't switch off the dial. Thank you, Dosu Joseph. And thanks also to Iron Mike Mbonye for that interview. And remember, sunny side of sports listeners, don't switch off the dial. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of BOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shireen. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle, at VOA Sunny Sports. This is the voice of America. Washington, ba ba ba
D.C. Now let's go to Uganda, where a young man is inspiring visually impaired people and helping promote the sport of blind football. In this encore sunny side of sports feature presentation, Magume Davis Rakawinge tells us more from Kampala. Sporty greetings, Magume. Sporty greetings to Tusani and our listeners. As a little boy, 24-year-old Muzafaru Jagwe used to love sports and football in particular and was an integral member of his class team until he lost the sight at the age of seven. He says most of his peers start to despise and discriminate against him, at times calling his names Kaso, which means one-eyed man. He did not lose hope in the game that he so much loved and promised himself would participate in it directly or indirectly sometime in life. After he graduated with a bachelor's degree in business computing from Makere University in Kampala in 2019, Jagwe took it upon himself to start a blind football team. He was actually overwhelmed to find out that many, just like him, want to rekindle their lost love in the sport of football. With the game of blind football not so common in the country, Jagwe used the available resources. Starting with the gold ball, but it wasn't easy for use because of its hard surface. It's hardness and heaviness and be it being big, it's made from rubber. So you, when you, you strike it on the wall, they easily get broken. Unlike these normal foot, the footballs we use. That's how I began. But later on, I started researching and then reaching out to people, organizations, and that's how I, I, I got in touch with the international Blind Football Foundation. The International Blind Football Association donated him 10 balls and eye shields. Blind football is a form of football for athletes with a partial or total visual impairments. It consists of two halves of between 20 to 25 minutes and a 10 minutes break with each team allowed a time out of a minute. In order to avoid collusions, players are required to say "voy" or something similar when going for the ball. The game is played by five players on each side. Four outfield players and a goalkeeper. Outfield players must at all times be blindfolded, but the goalkeeper can be someone with sight. Yeah, however much they are blind, they always have some levels of, of sight. For example, somebody can see shadows, somebody, somebody can also see shapes, can understand shapes, and some can understand that it is during day, during night. That's why we cover them, to bring out that thing of fairness. The game doesn't have throw-ins and there's no offside rule. The pitch could be cement, grass or artificial turf. But the playing area must be between 38 to 42 meters long and 18 to 22 meters wide. At Makere University Rugby Grounds, they converge at least twice a week to hone their skills in the newly found game, blind football. One of the players here, Abraham Okundane, says the game has helped him improve his self-esteem. I've got many friends and film somewhere <laughs> because uh, I've received several interviews, like maybe on Wikipedia TV and uh, these other local TV stations. So many people came, uh, they asked me questions, how do we play? You know, they had that love for adventure towards the way we are playing. Yeah. That, okay, there's that in advice gives them that disability is not an ability. Teammate Alex Osborne, Yakorach, agrees. It has brought that hope uh, in my life that I can still play again. So I, I find it so interesting. We were missing a lot. Uh, what, what the other worlds were doing, but in Uganda we were missing it. Spain is considered to be the pioneers of the game that is fast growing worldwide and is competed in national leagues 
championships and Paralympics. Brian Chiyinji, an assistant coach here, says has learned virtues such as tolerance and patience working with people with such impairments. For them, they don't want to be forced to do something. You have to make them to love something so that they can do it very well. Yeah. Vike Kwagara, a volunteer here, says she's inspired seeing people with sight impairments engaging in a game. The energy they put in in playing the football, the love is through very cool. Yes, it really motivates me a lot seeing those boys running up and down to kicking the ball. Player Nyakorach says he's very determined. He says he hopes the game of blind football will take him places. I'm not, not playing just because of training and, and just stopping here in Uganda. I want to reach those top level, uh, com level of competitions like Paralympics. Like currently I'm training and I have a hope of playing in the Paralympics of 2024, which is going to be in Paris in France. Another player here? Rashid Semakula also has big dreams. I hear in Brazil, there are blind footballers in Brazil, France, where, where. So I want also like to go somewhere far. I become a professional also. Because I can copy those guys outside. Jago Muzaffar agrees. He says he believes his team has the ability to match the rest of the world and bring home world championships in Uganda and promote the game on the African continent. My boys are better than any team on the African continent. We, we, we haven't even just gotten the opportunity. Even Europe, even Asia, all over the world, we are better than so many teams. We just have to get a test. Brazil are record champions with five championships and are followed by five South Americans, Argentina, who have two out of the seven championships. With two gold medals, Belarus also dominate the game for the partially sighted, also known as B2 or B3, followed by Ukraine and Russia with one apiece. Japan remained the lone winners of the ever women blind championships to ever be held in Vienna, Austria in 2017. With no proper funding, Jagwe depends on his family support and friends to promote the game. Another challenge here is that there are no pitches for the sport, but he says he wants to relent and continue to promote the game that may help his community socially and economically. Football is an alternative that we can rely on and then we can push on to solve mental health issues for people with vision impairment, to solve inactivity, to be proactive in the communities. For the sunny side of sports, I am Mugume, Davis Rwakarinjini Kampala, Uganda. <laughs> Hello listeners, my name is Jagom Zafal and I'm the founder and chairman of Blind Football, a parasport administrator and a disability inclusion advocate. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including 30 House of Representative Progressive Democrats are calling on President Biden to shift his strategy on Ukraine ahead of midterm elections to pursue direct diplomacy with Russia to end the months-long conflict. We'll examine this and more on Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. A Russian court has rejected U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner's appeal against her more than nine-year prison sentence on drug charges. The AP's Julie Walker reports. Brittany Griner's pleas for leniency via video from her prison cell on Tuesday went nowhere with the Russian court. It's just big that the court takes in all the 
states that were overlooked during the first quarter. She spent her birthday last week in a penal colony and says it's taking a toll. It's been a very, very stressful and very traumatic to my mental Griner was convicted in August after Moscow police found vape canisters with cannabis oil in her luggage at the airport. She admitted to them, but her lawyers presented a prescription. The mission chief of the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, Elizabeth Rod, says they'll continue to fight for her. The United States government considers Griner to be wrongfully detained. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan calls the hearing another sham judicial proceeding and in a statement says President Biden is willing to go to extraordinary lengths to bring Americans home. The U.S. has been proposing a prisoner swap with Russia. I'm Julie Walker. In National Basketball Association action Tuesday night, the Phoenix Suns shine brightly as they routed the defending champion Golden State Warriors by 29 points. The AP's George Tanner reports from the western U.S. city of Phoenix, Arizona. Devin Booker led the way with 34 points as the Suns defeated the Warriors 134 to 105. Booker says the key was scoring 13 unanswered points in the third quarter after Clay Thompson was ejected with two technical fouls. That's important for us. We have an emotional team. We have a competitive team, top to bottom, and. You know, history speaking, we've gotten got in those situations and, you know, kind of been sporadic and all over the place. So, you know, to go together as a team, bring it all in and, and just keep hooping. And that's what we did. DeAndre Ayton added 16 points and 14 rebounds as the Suns improved to 3-1. and one. Steph Curry led the Warriors with 22. They fall to 2-2. Two and two. George Tanner, Phoenix. Thanks, George. In Tuesday night's other NBA results, the Washington Wizards beat the visiting Detroit Pistons 120-109. to And let's give a sunny side of sports shout-out for my beloved hometown Wizards, who are now 3-1 and on the season. The New Orleans Pelicans also won at home, edging the Dallas Mavericks 113-111. to The Pelicans prevailed after another big game by Luka Doncic, the Slovenian star for the Mavericks. Luka scored a game-high 37 points to go along with 11 rebounds and 7 assists. But Luka's three-point attempt at the final buzzer bounced off the front rim. And in one more NBA result... The Oklahoma City Thunder beat the visiting Los Angeles Clippers 108-94. In more NBA news, Boston Celtics star Jalen Brown is the latest star athlete to sever ties with Ye, the musician and fashion mogul formerly known as Kanye West. Now, Brown signed with Ye's Donda Sports earlier this year, but he and National Football League player Aaron Donald of the Los Angeles Rams said Tuesday they were leaving the marketing agency in the wake of Ye's recent anti-Semitic remarks. Brown and Donald's moves follow the sportswear giant Adidas severing ties with Ye. 
as we hear now from the AP's Margie Zaroleta. Adidas says Ye's recent comments and actions have been unacceptable, hateful, and dangerous. That's why Adidas is ending its partnership with Ye. That includes immediately stopping production of its Yeezy products and stopping payments to Ye and his companies. Adidas says it expects to lose up to $246 million as a result of the decision. Ye was suspended from Twitter and Instagram this month for anti-Jewish comments. Talent agency CAA dropped Ye and the MRC studio is shelving a completed documentary about him. Ye has struggled with bipolar disorder. I'm Margie Zaroleta. And speaking of mental health, World Boxing Council heavyweight champion Tyson Fury is releasing his debut single, a cover of Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline, to raise money for the men's mental health charity Talk Club. Boxing's been a massive platform for me to spread the word on mental health and have done it to the best of my ability. And I've been very vocal about it since the comeback, since the demise and, and the return. I've been very vocal about the, the mental health struggle and it's been widely printed from highs and lows, ups and downs. So I've, I've tried my utmost best to keep talking about it as much as I can and keep trying to smash the stigma, I suppose. And Tyson Fury talks about his highs and lows, his ups and downs. He says he's much more aware now of his personality in and out of the boxing ring. But I have two characters. I have Tyson Fury, which is a flawed character, a man, a husband, a father and a son. And I have the Gypsy King, which is unshakable. He's the undefeated knockout artist. He's the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. He never has any problems, doesn't suffer mental health, nothing. And that character is unshakable. But the person, the Tyson Fury as a man, he has very lot of flaws. He has everything. Anything that can go wrong with a human, then Tyson Fury, the man, has them problems. Tyson Fury will release his cover of Sweet Caroline on November 11th. He says he's always loved the song, and I know he has sung it after some of his victories. This time around, the Gypsy King has a backing band and some professional musical production. Let's listen in now to a sample of Tyson Fury and Sweet Caroline. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week 
right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. Well, you could say the sky's the limit for Zainab Abahi, the first female Kenyan to be licensed as a skydiver. My VOA colleague, Jackson Vungani, asked her, who or what was your inspiration to skydive? There's a friend of mine here in Mombasa who was jumping uh, in in Diani, and he approached me and said, "Let's let's do a skydive." And I was like, "No way! There's no possibility of jumping out of a perfectly good airplane." However, we surprised me, and we, we did do a tandem. Um, and as soon as I landed, uh, I said, "This is going to be my sport." I just got. Hook, line, and sinker into this. Uh, then after two weeks uh, from my first tandem jump, I started doing the AFF course. What is it about the sport that appeals to you? It's the freedom. It's the, the challenges that you can, you can overcome. Uh, the different skill levels that you can learn every day, every jump is just uh, different to the other. And it's just mind-blowing. It's there's so much yet to learn. And this is what I like about skydiving. Every single jump, you learn something new. And what was the reaction of your parents and, and your relatives in general when they found out that you were jumping out of aeroplanes? That must have been an interesting conversation. Well, actually, I did not tell my parents uh, that I did a tandem jump. Um, but six months later, or actually after I got my first A license, my parents came over to Mombasa and I set them down on the, in the living room, put the, my first tandem video in and I said, please, can you have a look at this? And then you know, don't re- react or overreact or I don't know what, you know, and just have a look at it and tell me what you think. Um, my parents looked at it very keenly and I was just looking at their faces. They were beaming the whole time. As soon as my video was all over, my, my father and my mother were like, we are so proud of you. In case you're just joining us, we're speaking to Zainab Albahi. She's the first female licensed skydiver in Kenya. She's joining us from Kilifi, Kenya, where she operates her business. She joins me via phone. Zainab, thank you so much again for joining us today and sharing your story. How popular is the sport of skydiving in Kenya? Unfortunately not. Um, We have very few fun jumpers, as we call them, licensed skydivers. Um, We probably have a, a network of about 30 or 35 of us. But hence, this is my dream to open open a drop zone and, and make it as a school as well. As I am a now AFF instructor, I want to teach people how to skydive, Kenyans how to skydive. I'm going to make, you know, Kenyan instructors, Kenyan parachute rickers. Um, and now I'm a safety and training advisor officer for United States Parachute Association as well. So I, 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 my dream is to make this sport for our locals, our Kenyans, as well as, you know, enjoyable for tourists and, uh, well, people in general. Now, Zainab, do you ever have to wear your hijab when you're flying, when you're jumping out of the, the plane? Um, I, I cannot wear my hijab when I'm skydiving. It restricts my flying. But I do cover myself fully uh, in a jumpsuit, and we wear helmets and stuff. So I, uh, yeah, basically, it's, covering myself is not an option for skydiving. But uh, being as a Muslim woman, there is an option of wearing you know, covering your hair and wearing full sleeve clothes and stuff. So it does not restrict any Muslim woman to say, oh, because I'm not going to be able to cover myself, I can't do a skydive. Yes, you can. 
What is the reaction of uh, people when they come to your school or when they see you skydiving? I, you know, in, in traditional societies or even in, in Western societies, this is not a sport that is commonly practiced by women. I'm interested to know how they react to you. Actually, the, the best reaction I have had and the most reaction I have had is people being proud of me. It's like, really, you did this? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, how? I said, well, if you put up your mind to something, you really accomplish it. And I think that this is the best uh, advice I can give to somebody that if you do, if you want to do something, then go for it. It's, it's never too late. I started skydiving very late in my, my, my life, but it's never too late. And just go for your dream. You're basically breaking barriers and uh, that glass ceiling. Absolutely. There's been a lot of barriers that I have broken. Um, but it's, uh, and again, it, like I said, personal challenges, uh, different kinds of challenges that I've faced. But I have come through all of it, all of the hurdles. And like you said, yes, it is, it is a bit more challenging as a woman, but it should not stop anybody doing it. That's Zainab Albahi, the first female Kenyan to be licensed as a skydiver. And she spoke with my VOA colleague, Jackson Vunganyi, by telephone from Kenya. This sunny side of sports programming note, Action Jackson Vunganyi will be hosting the sunny side of sports on Friday, October 28th. And again on Monday, October 31st, I'll be back behind my trusty Voice of America microphone on November 1st. And that wraps up the October 26th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.